This is recording number 10881 from the teaching ministry of Crossroads Community Church in Vallejo, California. It was recorded on Sunday morning, August 29, 2010. This message by Randy Bolt is titled, The Pursuit of Happiness. of you want to be happy? Well, let's put it this way. How many of you don't? <laughs> you know, our, um, our Declaration of Independence in the United States has a statement that says that, um, I won't do it justice because I haven't memorized, sadly to say, I have not memorized the Declaration of Independence, but it says that um, we, one of the reasons why we are declaring our independence from Great Britain was because we believe that God has given everyone certain rights, and one of those rights is the pursuit of happiness. Now, <clears throat> I'm not here today to preach from the Declaration of Independence. I'm not even here to promote, uh, you know, American nationalism. Certainly, I'm not into that. But what I am here to do to say is to say that I believe that's true, that our God in heaven is concerned about... Uh, Every person experiencing true happiness. Now, a lot of times that, that our definition of happiness gets a little strange. And we're going to talk today a little bit about what true happiness is. We're also going to talk about uh, the things that, some of the things that people do to try to find happiness that are not only not productive, can be counterproductive. And then we're going to be talking about what God says are the, the, uh, the keys to happiness. What we're going to see in the book of Psalms, chapter 1, in the first three verses of that chapter, is probably some of the most profound things you're going to ever uh, read in God's Word. But they're easy to dismiss. Let's put it that way. They're easy to dismiss. I'm going to ask you, though, as we come to this very familiar passage this morning, to come with, with a... A decision on your part, a choice to listen to what God has to say with with a uh, uh, with fresh uh, eye. To look at what He has is saying with fresh eyes. Listen to what He's saying with fresh ears. Let's come to God's Word today to find out what it means, what God means, uh, when He says that we can be, and He wants us to be, a happy people. Let's begin reading in verse one, chapter one of Psalms. Here we go. Blessed is the man. Blessed is a word that uh, uh, is, you probably have in front of you several translations of that word that may be different. Uh, the Hebrew is a, it's a large, expansive word, and it means uh, more than this, but it certainly encompasses this, and it would not be inappropriate at all to translate this word as happy because it means happy along with a lot of other things. It's a big, expansive word, but it's absolutely appropriate for us to translate it with the word happy. So this passage could start off, happy is the man or woman who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, 
whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. In those three verses, there we are told three things that happiness is. We're told three things that happiness is not in, and two things that happiness is in. We're going to take them in that order. So uh, look at verse 3. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. This passage is saying, happy is the man, and then if you skip down to verse 3, whose, and then the description we just read. So these are three things that describe what a happy person is. Now, it may not have been the way you would have described happy. But let's dig in there just a little bit deeper. Uh, First, let me say that I am, I'm not a very demonstrative person. You know, I'm not the kind of, like my, my dear wife who is, you, she just, there is just uh, radiance that emanates from that dear woman. And that's one of the, that's one of the, one of the main reasons I'm, uh, I've stuck with her all this time. Uh, it's just, a, you know, when she comes in the room, there is, the lights go on. It's just that way. Now, with me, it's not quite the same. <laughs> I, in fact, I'm just, uh, you know, she mentioned earlier, I'm kind of a steady Eddie, you know. Um, I'm not sure whether that's good or bad, but when people will often say to me, Randy, is something wrong? <laughs> Gina does this to me all the time, all the time. She'll call me on the phone and she'll say, Randy, what's wrong? Because <laughs> my voice, apparently, apparently, my voice, my mannerisms are kind of, I don't know, melancholy or something like that. So it's really hard to tell when I'm happy. But somebody said something to me yesterday that made me very, very happy. I'll tell you about that in just a minute. I may, not, I may not be jumping up and down and may not show it as well as some of the rest of you might, but I am a very happy man today. <clears throat> but it says here in Psalm 1, verse 3, that a happy person is one who is like a tree planted by a river of water Actually, rivers of water, multiple rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season. One of the things about happiness as God describes it is fruitfulness. Happiness is fruitfulness. Now, we, it's not a word that we... In fact, I, I looked up at the word fruitfulness in the dictionary and all I got was stuff about, you know, gardening. <laughs> and I, I tried to find another word uh, to capture the sense of what, of what is being described here in Psalm 1. And I just could not come up with one. Because fruitfulness, is ju- it just describes it so well. It means that... As I'm making my way through life, the trail that I'm leaving is of fruitfulness. 
like a wake of a ship you know, or a boat, uh, you know, displacing the surface water as it makes its way along in the, in the trail or the wake, they call it. There's disturbance of the water. There's, there's an aftermath. There's a, there's a consequence of this boat having passed through that, that part of the water. And happy is the person who can look back on the wake of their life and they're leaving blessing behind. Fruitfulness is true happiness. Yesterday, I was walking out the door to come down here to the office, and this dear woman said to me as I was opening the door, she said, I'm glad you're my husband. I can't tell you how happy that makes me. I was 19 years old when I stood at, at, a, you know, at the head of a church there in front of a pastor and before God and pledged my life to her 36 years ago. And I knew that God's word says that a husband should love his wife like Christ loves the church. I don't know about the rest of you guys, but that's a tall order. <laughs> Husbands, love your wives like Christ loves the church. It goes on to say that the way Christ loves, loves the church is that he gave himself for the church so that the church could be washed, so that the church could be better off because of their relationship, of our relationship with him. And I knew as I stood there in front of that pastor all those years with my long flowing <laughs> locks, <laughs> I do have proof. For all you doubters out there. Anyway, as I stood there in front of that pastor and pledged my life to her, I knew what I was doing. I knew I was signing up for a tall order, and I knew I didn't have it in me. But I knew one thing. I knew that I wanted to be that man. I wanted to be that kind of husband that 36 years later, the woman I pledged my life to would say, I'm glad I'm married to you. That, that's happiness, dear one. That's happiness. What is it that's in the wake of your life? If there's not much blessing that you're leaving behind as you pass, your, as you pass through those business transactions, as you pass through your interactions with your children, as you pass through this life, if there's not blessing that's being left behind, I guarantee you, you will not be a happy person because that's what gives us happiness. And so much, of, so much of our focus is on what we want to attain. Maybe it ought to be, what do I want to leave behind? How can I live in a way that I'm leaving blessing behind everywhere I go? When I'm making that sales call and the guy turns me down and I leave the office, can I leave blessing there? Happiness. Like a tree planted by rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season. Another thing that happiness is, 
Oh, yeah, I forgot to show you this. <laughs> these, are my, these are our grandchildren, Nolan and uh, Avriella. And uh, the reason I put this picture up here is because one of the... And I, 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 I apologize for turning this into uh, show and tell here and, and all. But last night when I was thinking about these things, going over my notes and stuff, I decided I'd insert this, be, and now I, I probably don't really need it. But <laughs> I put this there because one of the happiest... I, I, I can't remember a time when I was more happy than this. It happened in the fall of um, 2003 or four, something like that. So it's been a while. And I was... Uh, Sue and I... We're in bed, and don't you start thinking. <laughs> Although those are pretty happy times, too, but anyway. <laughs> we were laying in bed. Our children, our adult children had come home. We only, only one of them was married. Avriella's mom and dad uh, were there. The other two were not yet married, but they were, they, they had, uh, you know, they were living on their own. They'd come home because we were... Going, we were taking a family vacation to Florida and the next morning. We were going to get on a plane and leave. So they were there. We'd gone to bed. Three, the four, three kids and the one spouse stayed up. And they were looking at old family photos and watching old family VHS tapes. <laughs> and the, the rolling laughter and, and joy that was coming down the hall to our bedroom as I laid there. I thought, God, can, is, can, can life be any better than this? To know that uh, the two of us have traveled life in a way that is leaving blessing behind. Anyway, another thing that fruitfulness is is stability. It says, whose leaf also shall not wither. There's lots of stuff blowing at you in life, whose purposes, w- the purpose of which is to wither you. Uh, I don't know if you've noticed, none of us around here know how to take care of those grapevines out front. <laughs> so they're, they're not in the best of shape. Uh, and they have all season long been kind of on the withered side of things. Part of that is that we just get hurricane force winds through here. Um, and, and then, like I said, part of it is just the fact none of us know what to do to take care of them. But life is like that. Left alone, there's lots of stuff getting chucked your way, the purpose of which is to wither you. But the Bible says that happy is the person who finds themselves in a place where their leaf does not wither. That God has done a deep work of anchoring a person's soul to his word in such a way that no matter what comes along, they are unmoved. Now, you may, not be, you, know, you may not be facing that stiff wind with a smile on your face. But happiness is that when it blows by, when it's finished, when it's coughed up everything it can... And you're still standing there? You're still standing there. 
That's a happy person. Finally, this passage tells us that a happy person is one who enjoys success. Now, I I think that probably this word is going to be at the top of most people's uh, definition of happiness that you might encounter on the street out there this morning. It's not first, but it's on the list. Because God made us, God made us to be people who need to feel like what we do counts, that it matters. It's not about keeping score, and this is where things get really weird in the world's sense of what happiness is. Because the idea in the world around us about success is a measurement of worth. You know, if I can get more sales, if I can get more money, if I can get more this or that, then I'm worth more than you. But how many of you have ever played that game and found out, you know, there's no happiness at the end of that road. There really isn't. But that doesn't mean that the thing in us that God made to want to feel like what we, like our life matters, that what we, what we do, we do well, that's part of how God wired us up. And he says in his word that we are happy when it feels like what I'm doing, I'm doing well. The problem, though, it comes back to this whole thing of, of measurement, right? How do you know if you're doing well? Well, the world is quick to help us with this. They'll give us plenty of measurements, right? When I, when I was working for Cisco Systems years ago, uh, we, we were measured, we had very clear things that uh, we were supposed to achieve. And if you did, well, then you were successful. I would bet that most every one of us here have some uh, standard of measure that has been imposed upon us in some area of our life that we are trying to measure up to. But even if that weren't the case, there's plenty of stuff we add to the pile ourselves expectations that others add to us are one thing, but the expectations we, have to, we add to ourselves uh, are probably the, the most troublesome because we never feel like we measure up. And that will drive you, dear one. It will drive you. You'll find yourself being driven and there's no happiness at the end of that road. This happens to, you, know, you don't, this is sort of inside baseball because you know, it's not going to, it doesn't really uh, affect you, uh, many of you personally, but in my roles, uh, I am often dealing with uh, other pastors and caring. I have, most of you know that we have uh, uh, 16 churches that we're caring for, a total of 70 uh, pastors uh, that we are helping to, to pastor. And on top of that, we do some other things. So I'm, I'm, I'm engaged with other pastors, a lot of other ministers, preacher people like me. And um, one of the things that is probably, the, well, I would say it is the number one struggle of, of people in that position is this whole idea of trying to figure out if they're doing a good job or not. Because the only standards of measure that we have are the ones that the world puts on us Nickels and noses. How much money? How many people? 
It, it makes no sense, but this is how we play the game, right? And so I'm telling you, the only reason I'm telling you this story is because I think there is some fallout into how the rest of, uh, rest of us, you know, normal people, uh, are dealing with life too, is these arbitrary, artificial, weird standards of, of success and failure, they, they become bondage. They don't become happiness. They become bondage. What we really need, what all of us really need is to know how can I know before God? How can I know before God that I am successful? Well, thankfully, Jesus gave us the, the answer to that question. He told a parable about a man, a rich man, who went off and left the care of his estate to three servants. And he gave each one of them a measure of money or wealth to manage. The one he gave five talents. Sometimes people get confused by the word talent. He's not talking about talents in the way that we do, like you know how to play guitar, or you know how to sing, or you know how to draw, or whatever. It's not that. It's a it's a type a measurement of money. He gave one of the servants five talents to measure. He gave another one two, and another one one. And then he went away. And when he came back, he said, "Okay, what have you done with what I what I've given you?" All right. So so it's a perfect setup. Have you been successful with what I've entrusted to you? One guy comes along and he says, yes, I have. I've taken the five you gave me, and now there's five more, so we're up to ten. Another guy says, yes, I have. You gave me two. I got two more. We're up to four. The other guy said, well, I was, I was pretty sure you're a pretty tough character, so I didn't want to lose what you gave me, so I buried it in the ground. I still got the one you gave me. Jesus said, no, you're not successful. (laughs) But he talked to the other two. And let me tell you what. He did not reward them on the basis of the percentage of increase. He did not not reward them on, on the basis of anything having to do with the measure of the money. Here's what he said. To the two who had been fruitful and successful, he said, well done. Now tell me that wouldn't make your day. Well done. That would make me a happy man. Well done, good and faithful servant. And then he gave both of them the same reward. He said, enter into the joy of your Lord. Enter into the joy of your Lord. But, but what was he rewarding? Being a good servant and being a faithful servant. How do we measure success? Really, it comes down to those two things. A good servant is somebody who does what the master says. Right? It's pretty simple. I'm I'm successful in this life if I'm doing what the master told me to do. A faithful servant is one who keeps doing it. Keeps doing it even when it's hard. Keeps doing it even when it doesn't look like it's fruit, like there's there's, uh, fruit being born. Really, the question we need to be asking ourselves is not how much money I have in the bank, not how many cars I have in a garage, not all of those things you know, that the world puts forward as measurements of success, not how many businesses you own, blah, 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 blah. Am I doing what the master told me to do, and am I still doing it? If so, that's success. And Jesus said, Enter into the joy of your Lord. There's happiness at the end of that road. 
Now I want to talk to you about three things that happiness is not. Verse 1 of Psalm 1 says, Happy is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Happiness is not in worldly values. Happy is the man who walks not in the counsel or the advice or the wisdom or the values of the ungodly. What are some of the values of this world? How about this one? If it feels good, do it. Now, that comes from the 60s, I know, and some of you have never heard it. But it still, perme- <laughs> still permeates the culture, right? If it feels good, do it. That's a... Uh, That is a value that our culture holds. How about, I can't believe it if I don't see it. It's a value our culture holds. Science is God. If I can't measure it, it doesn't exist. How about, he who dies with the most toys wins, right? That's a value of our culture. Our culture has many values that, they, that it is counseling us in. And God says there's no happiness in that. A happy person is not the person who walks in the counsel or lives, is what that means, lives in the advice, lives in the values of the ungodly. Nor stands in the path of sinners. Happiness is not in worldly activities. It says that, that there's no happiness in getting into the, to the pathway that everybody else is, is traveling. In other words, there's no, there's no happiness in going where the crowd is going, doing what the crowd is doing. There's no happiness to be found there, but we sure try, don't we? We try. There really is no value in pursuing the pathway of the world. All you'll be doing is postponing happiness. The third thing that this passage tells us that happiness is not in is in the seat of the scornful. It says, uh, happy is the man who does not sit in the seat of the scornful. And that's talking about acceptance. Acceptance. The picture of these, these guys, you know, that they have control, right? So they're, they're at the table, and they have control of the empty seat that's at the table, and they're scrutinizing you. Do you belong with them? Are they going to give you a seat at the table? And a lot of people think that they will be happy if they get a seat at the table, it starts like in junior high, doesn't it? Or maybe it's even sooner than that. If you get to sit with the you know, popular kids, ah, happiness. If you, get, you know, if, you're get, if you get picked first for the baseball team, you know, when, they, when you have pick size, you get picked first instead of last, you're happy, right? But that still goes on, doesn't it? Don't we try to gain happiness by gaining acceptance. There's no happiness in that. 
So what does this passage say that happiness is in? If we can agree that those three things that the Bible says happiness is, that it's fruitfulness, stability, and success, and we can also agree that it, has, it can't be found in worldly values, worldly activities, or worldly acceptance, then what in the world do we do about happiness? Well, we find that in verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. This is the part I said is probably one of the most profound things you'll ever read in the Bible, but easy to dismiss. Happiness is in loving God's word. Psalm 119, 131 says, I opened my mouth and panted for I longed for your commands. If you this morning are in search of happiness... I encourage you to begin to set your heart to love God's word and to stop excusing yourself from having a relationship with it. We do that. We excuse ourselves. Oh, I'm not a very good reader. Oh, I don't have enough time. Oh, I can't understand all that old English these and thous and Oh, by the way, the pastor will just tell me what it says anyway. Stop making excuses for yourself regarding your relationship with God's word. If you want to be a happy person, make a decision to love God's word. And you know what? True love always begins with a choice. Always. Always. Now, maybe that you sit there today and you're, not, and you're thinking, if you're honest with yourself, wow, I'm, real, I'm not really in love with this book. I'm not really in love with God's word. That's okay. You can still make a choice. And that's what I'm asking you to do today, to join me in making a choice to love God's word, to get it into you. Listen, I read, now, different people read the Bible in different ways. And sometimes people read the Bible for, you know, for the, uh, the immediate sense of God's presence. So they'll read a very, usually, a relatively small section of Scripture and then just wait for God to speak to them out of that. And that is so wonderful, such a, a, a precious way to approach the word of God. Me, on the other hand, I read God's word for the mileage. I, I, I try to get, a, I'm, I read the Bible through every year, and so that means that I have to, I, I'm reading a pretty sizable chunk of the scripture every day. And there's a lot of that stuff that I just go, I just, oh, I don't get this, you know. And you want to skip it. <laughs> and wait, how many of you have ever come to a passage of scripture and you just want to, okay, so you know, I'm, you're with me on this. But I'll tell you what, there's been, I can't even count the number of times that in previous passes through, I've skipped certain things, only to come back to that passage at a later time and say, whoa, I didn't know that was there, or to find how that, how that sheds light on some other passage. Man, 
But anyway, however it is you approach God's word, get it in you. Get it in you. It will make you. God's word in your life will bring you true happiness. Not only loving it, but living it. Living it. Because once you get it in you, it's hard (laughs) then to live in opposition to it. This morning I was driving over um, I-80 from 37, and, you know, I I wanted to get here, and I've got got a little bit of a lead foot anyway, so I'm over the speed limit, and and I'm aware of it, you know? And then I'm thinking... But God's word says that I need to obey civil authorities. And then I want to have this whole conversation about why I don't have to, that doesn't apply to me, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) But you can't. So, all right, I pull back 67, 68, along in there. I get over the the hill, you know, from from American Canyon and... uh, I'd forgotten about it. There's a speed trap there. There's always highway patrol guys there. I'd forgotten about it. But by the time I'm there, I'm, I'm going the speed limit. And then I'm a happy man. Because <laughs> right? the guy's got his radar gun. <laughs> Silly illustration. But look, when you get God's word in you, it, you can't almost help it. But you start living that way. And there is happiness that comes as a result. And when you make excuses for yourself to, to not be a lover of God's word or someone who lives it out, I'm sorry, there is no shortcut here. There's no other option here. Happy is the man. Happy is the man whose delight is the law of the Lord. Happy is the man who in his law, he meditates day and night, living God's word. Meditating on God's word is not like sitting cross-legged and staring at your navel, letting your eyes roll back in your head and chanting a mantra. It's not that. Meditating on God's word, that word has to do with your internal conversation. What is it you're talking to yourself about? If God's word isn't in that conversation somewhere, there's, the happiness quotient is coming down for you. I guarantee it. Happy is the man who meditates on the law of the Lord. Listen to this, James 1.25. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed. This one will be happy in what he does. Okay. Let's get your feet, set your things aside. Psalm 144.15. Happy are the people who are in such a state. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord.